interrupt my groove today. Been watching race cars move away. I just don't think that I can lose, and I might just take a cruise and let the sunshine play. Something more, something new, something new. Welcome back, everybody. Super excited for tonight's show. U.S. Open Week, as always, joined by my good buddy, Drew, at Detroit Day 7. How are you living this evening, Drew? I'm doing well. Happy U.S. Open Week to you, gentlemen. I'm fired up. I think Brookline is going to be sweet, and uh, it's going to be a fun week. So I'm looking forward to it. Father's Day. Happy right. Father's Day. James, I don't know if you're a father, but I know that you are a soon-to-be father there, Rob. So uh, happy Father's Day to the both of you uh, this upcoming weekend. Thank you. Yeah, and segue into a very excited guest. Uh, we were just talking before we clicked the live button that James, you've seen him on the leaderboard, the Degenerate seventy five. You've seen him, um, you know, doing the showdown hoedown, just kind of killing it, helping people make money, and uh, love what he has to say. So, James, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. I've uh, this is not, definitely not my first time watching this show, but my first time being on here. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you. And so let's just dive in a little bit just about your own history as it relates to PGA DFS, how long you've been doing it. And um, obviously, you've had success with it. And just tell me a little bit um, about what, what works for you. Yeah, so like I've been playing, I guess, six years. I didn't even know what PGA golf was. I just stumbled onto it. Uh, what was that? 2015 in the summer, I was bored. So mm -hmm. I did a lineup at the Open Championship. And I was like, hey, that wasn't so bad. And then 2016, I started playing a little bit more. And I didn't really get super serious into it till about 2018. I won a couple GPPs over on uh, uh, FanDuel. And then I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually kind of good at this. And I started, yeah. you know, perfecting my process and kind of looked in at what worked and what didn't and why I was winning uh, and stuff like that. And then I've just kind of gotten a little bit better. And every year I, I think I can't do better than I did last year. And then, you know, like every year I just managed to do better. Like I was at the live uh, world finals last year for the Fantasy Golf World Championship. And I was like, what am I doing? How am I here? How am I like? <laughs> Um, so like, you know, I just, it's, it's, there's, it's just like, uh, you know, I'd say it's a lot like poker. Cause a lot of people play poker. It's like, you can be good at it, but that doesn't mean you're always going to find success at it. Um, sure. and, uh, you gotta be pretty fortunate. And I feel like I've been running pretty fortunate for the last four or five years. And, uh, I just enjoy it. Even I, I say this all the time on my show, if I broke even, or, uh, you know, even if I lost a little bit, it would still be a huge win. Cause I just love doing this shit so much. Yeah. Well, we, we love that. And I, you know, you're one of those, I think if, you know, if you've been playing often that you see the the similar kind of icons or the profile pictures on DraftKings and uh, yours, yeah, I've been seeing a while of the Ron Burgundy uh, yeah, kind of icon. And so then uh, and this is one of the great things about Twitter. Then you can kind of connect and now we can all kind of talk about strategy. And so we'll, we'll give you just, a, um, you know, some time if you want to plug your showdown, um, hoedown kind of that your kind of show you do for, yeah, showdowns. What got you into that? And yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So like what, it was just six or seven weeks ago, Andy Lack, I don't know if you know him. He had me on his show. Uh, we just kind of connected uh, last year because I told him I enjoyed all of his nerdy stuff about agronomy. And he had me on his show. And at that time, I was like a nobody. I think I had like 150 followers on Twitter. And uh, I was on there. I got a lot of nice messages, feedback saying, wow, I learned a lot. You should do some more. And then, you know, I started tossing the idea, Andy, around about how, like, there's no good showdown content out there. And I'm always trying to talk him yeah. into, like, there's such a bigger edge at showdown than there is at week long. There's just not a lot of people pumping great content out for it. And he said, well, do it then. I said, well, okay, yeah. I'll do it. And uh, created the show. It's only been 
I think five weeks, we've grown like at a crazy fast rate, like a humbling uh, pace that I could have never imagined. We're trying to get to a thousand by the open championship. So if you know, like you go leave your dude uh, a subscribe over on YouTube, I'd like it. It's just uh, degenerate 75 on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel every uh, thir- or every Friday night. I do round three showdown. Every Saturday night, I do round four showdown. And I would say probably the one that's becoming the most popular is the Wednesday night live stream at seven o'clock. I talk about a little bit about round one showdown, but more than anything, I talk about the ownership. I'm really good at ownership. I'm really good at pivots. Who's going to be the chalk weather and uh, just overall uh, just do a Q&A for what people want to know. So I, as I always tell them, don't make your, don't make your lineups until you come watch my stream. So uh, that's yeah, I what I would that. say. And I'll say one thing, um, you know, typically, or at least in my opinion, DraftKings kind of has some poor round one showdown contest as it relates to usually three and four of the better ones. And, you know, two can be nice. But this week I saw that they have some nice contests for round one. Yeah. So check out James's show Wednesday evening. But, Drew, I know you're really excited to have James on because you're a big showdown guy. And so you've been kind of chomping at the bit to pick James's brain showdown wise. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. And to James' point early on, it's like I great on you realizing that there was kind of a, a hole in the in the system when not everybody was kind of focusing on showdown. So if like for you, let me ask you this: What advantages do you see doing showdown as compared to just normal GPPs? And then, do you have a favorite day that you like to do showdown? Of course, we talk about Sunday with finishing um, points and whatnot. Is there a specific day that you like the most? Uh, and just kind of what's that process even look like? Yeah. So, I mean, what day I like the most is definitely Sunday. And that's just kind of by default because they have the biggest prize pools. You have the biggest edge because you can project the ownership so much cleaner because people are going to be chasing those points. But like, you know, I don't mind a good round one or round two showdown if I see a good edge, if I see like a big wind advantage coming in or something like that, uh, which maybe I might see for week one this week um, or for round one this week. um, You know, I'm all about that. Um, What was the first part of the question? I answered the second part and I forgot what the first part was. I don't even remember. I'm yeah. sorry. This is like Phil Mickelson in his press conference. Yeah. We only like one. We only like one question. <laughs> right. You, once you get to my age, you can't two questions. It just gets a little overwhelming. No. What's the? Uh, no. Trust me. I get it, man. Um, what's the? What like? What advantage do you see in Showdown okay. as compared to like normal GPP? And because yeah. like to your point, the, what I love about Showdown is like the gratification at the end of the day, right? I don't have to right. stress this thing out for four days. If exactly I shit the right. bed and I lose all my money, it's gone, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, you can you can celebrate at the end of the night. So um, what kind of advantage um, or maybe it's a disadvantage do you, do you like with Showdown as compared to just your normal four-round GPP? Yeah, you're right about Showdown. Like you, a lot of times by 11 o'clock, you'd be like, well, I'm dead today um, because <laughs> yeah. Ju- yeah, Justin cool. Rose is a, like 11 under through 14. I don't have him. So I guess uh, we'll go ahead and shut it down for Showdown today. Um, but, uh, the biggest edge and it's, it's, it's the simplest thing ever. It's just ownership. Um, ownership concentrates so much more on uh, showdown than it does at week long because at week long, there's so many people that there's so much good content out there and the talking heads have gotten so much wiser to how ownership is more important than your actual little projection models and your nerdy stuff like that, that people are learning how to pivot. People are learning to play good guys that are going to be lower owned. And when you do that, the, the ownership gets a lot more, you know, it, it's just not as dramatic at week long as it is at showdown and showdown no one's really saying that so you end up getting 55 percent billy ho heading into sunday showdown round four and that's just that's just ridiculous you should never play it i wouldn't play god himself if he were 55 (laughs) percent well you know one thing i kind of wonder is that people seem they have a good process doing week long they go into monday tuesday wednesday develop their pool you know however many lineups they're playing 
And then it seems like round two, three, and four, everybody just abandons their strategy and right. then just goes in blindly for how people played the round before, just totally forgetting the variance of golf and totally not even thinking of ownership or how my lineup might be duped or unique. And, and it, it is totally abandoned. And they're just diving into who had the best ball striking stats the day before. And it, it just seems to like go out the window. And you, does that, you think that's the case? I mean, that's my favorite thing about showdown is all the people that yeah. think they know what they're doing are like, I'll go look at ball striking and who's not putting yeah. well. Cause yeah. I'm clever. It's like, dude, that's like <laughs> the most like, like basic noob approach to showdown right. of all time. Yeah. You know, like go, go look a little bit better and look at guys like, you know, I was preaching this last week. I was like, go play Brendan Steele, go play Jordan speed, go play all these guys that shit the round in round two. And they're going to come out and smash round three tomorrow because like they're mm -hmm. professional golfers and like, you know, one or two bad bounces can be the difference between a 67 and a 74 in a round. And, uh, you know, like you just get and whenever somebody's coming off a bad round, you're going to get them at such an ownership discount. You're just you're just playing the ownership game. You're going to get great players that are lower owned because they're coming off of one round um, mm -hmm. and, and on the and just completely correlated. That is people who are coming off of great rounds are always going to be way higher owned, which is ridiculous right. because it is so hard to go shoot a 64 two days 100%. in a row. And unless yep. you're freaking JT, is he yep. seems to be able to do it. it yeah. And, I, and I, I've heard you say something similar on your show is that we. We kind of know that putting has high variance. And so people say, oh, gosh, well, we haven't putted well, but maybe he was first in ball striking the day before. So I got to play him. But the also understanding that all stats have variance. Yeah, putting has more. And so I remember playing showdown last week and then at the memorial where you had to be in the fairway to get yourself in scoring position. The rough is just kind of brutal. So lean more on you know, who might be more consistent off the tee looking not just at in-tournament stats, but then kind of let me say the last 24 rounds and then not being too concerned unless they were, gosh, in the hundreds in ball striking. Because I feel like if someone has a number one for the previous round or previous two rounds for ball striking, often that can be their peak and you can only go down from there. And so then if everybody is going to be, you know, 40% owned on this cat, then why, why do it? And so it's just an easy fade, but uh, and and yeah, over eight you, over eighteen holes, there's a lot of variance yeah. in that. Yeah, like somebody yeah. who's a, a, a great ball striker over seventy two holes is probably going to perform closer to what you would expect than over an eighteen hole period. So I don't care how great their ball striking if they're going to be forty percent owned, they're a hard fade. And when you do that, it gets so easy to start boxing out large large chunks of fields, just all of them based on playing one guy or two guys. It's, it's, it's yeah. awesome. That's yeah, why ownership matters. Yeah, sorry, Drew, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. You're good. So, like, what I find myself doing sometimes in, in Showdown as well is we've talked about the importance of, of ownership, right? That kind of gives us the most leverage right out of the gate. But I also can kind of pinpoint guys that I feel like have super high upside, right? Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's a ton of guys on this tour that have the super low one in them. And that's kind of what you need sometimes. Is that something you look at as well? Like say, hey, I'm I'm within, you know, these two or three guys. And it's like, what what's the upside, right? Like, what can this guy, if he goes out and plays his best, what can I expect out of him compared to the other two guys that play their best? Is that something that you look at as well? Definitely. I, I think I talked about it Sunday. I was like, I always call it going nuclear hot. I was like, not everybody can go nuclear hot. And I was like, cause I think that, what was it? It was like Danny Lee and, uh, and Patrick Rogers were both like T19 or something. Right. And they're roughly the same price. And I'm like, one of these guys can go nuclear hot. One of these guys can never go nuclear hot. So if you're mm -hmm. just playing the upside, yeah, you do need to factor that in. Cause I've watched enough golf tournaments to see these guys that just randomly pop off 61s. 
Um, and you do need to factor that in because showdown, you just want super, super high upside. You want that guy that's going to go get you nine birdies. Uh, it can it can offset so much. And that's why people overrating Sunday uh, showdown placement points is so ridiculous because the difference between like second place and like 40th place is literally like a birdie and a half, if that. So it's it's nothing. And uh, I want the guys that can go nuclear hot, especially if they're down there at T41. I'm going to get them at 3.5% ownership. Yeah, they're out yeah, there and just making birdies. It doesn't exactly. matter when you're, yeah. when you're that yeah. far back. One, one birdie streak, everything's gone. All yeah. those yeah. make-believe points are gone. Yeah, exactly. And you, the, there could be an argument to make to become, not become, but like make lineups more riskier. So takes, you know, high ceilings, low floor kind of, kind of guys. Uh, and, and yeah, sure, you're going to have those days where he's two, two over through two. And yeah, Justin Rose is, uh, you know, trying to shoot a 59. But but I, people who there's a lot of people when they are hand building lineups, let's say they're only making three lineups for an in three entry max. Their, their thought and their conceptualization is how to one, I get these guys or this lineup through the six to six percentage and how, well, how four or six golfers, I mean, can go through four rounds and play the best. Well, in showdown, we don't need a golfer to be consistent for four rounds just for one round. And so the argument is that, yeah, let's be a little bit more riskier because people don't know what they're doing and they think they're unique. And they're picking six guys in a showdown lineup, which they think, oh, gosh, these, these six golfers are consistent. But to your all's point, gosh, we need we need the high ceiling guys that are going to be low owned. And, yeah, it's not going to work out every round, but we call we call it the Thomas Peters. I want a sixty-five or an eighty-five in showdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to get you one of those two almost every he's round. He's going to get you both of them over four yeah, rounds. Exactly right. <laughs> well, well, then, then move into the regular contest, the week long week, you know, Thursday through Sunday, and combining this with U.S. Open week right now. What are you thinking just about your strategy or your method? Uh, yeah, the Sunday before the third major. Which, by the way, this is definitely my favorite major. I just live for the U.S. Yeah. Open. I don't know. I, I think it's just the chaos. Uh, I love how yeah. tough it plays. I love, I mean, honestly, I guess if it's really, I just love that the chalk eats it so bad at the U.S. Open yeah. every year. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, I mean, I, first of all, I, I guess I'm just like super excited. But my strategy is this week uh, a little bit different. Um, you know, like normally I play, you know, somewhere between 150 to 300 lineups across a lot of the big tournament or, you know, the, the mass entry tournaments. But this week I'm thinking about just doing like a smaller number of lineups, maybe about 15 lineups, putting them in a bunch of the single entries. And like, I'm going to go kind of like high level, uh, you know, DFS strategy on you here. But like, I got some, some pivots this week. I really like, like some guys that are just kind of one-offs, you know, maybe Xander is going to be popular. I may like a guy right next to him just as much. And I'm very happy pivoting to him. But if I go make that pivot and I do it in the Millie maker, where there's what 150,000 lineups, even if that does end up being a great pivot, it's still the chances of it really paying off in the long run are pretty minuscule. So this week, I kind of want to play in those single entry, the big three maxes. And there's a DraftKings, give them credit. They put out some really good $200 single entries, 333s, yeah. 555s. I mean, there's some really good contests that are single entry and three maxes this week. And if I do pivot off of Xander and switch to that other guy and it hits off, and now I'm only playing three or 400 guys on that GPP. I mean, now you're talking about really paying off with those with those pivots. And, uh, you know, if the chalk eats it and my pivot hits, it's going to definitely pay off. Whereas if I'm doing the hundred dollar millimaker, the fifteen dollar millimaker, even if those great pivots work, you still got to have the stone cold fucking nuts. And let's right. face it, you're just not going to have it most of the time or hardly ever. Yeah. And uh, you brought up a great point that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, the millimaker has the sex appeal. But in, in the $100 one and you know, maybe the other, the difference between first and second is 900000 
Disgusting. And so that steep, yeah, steep drop off, it, it, it's just hard to rational, rationalize it. So, yeah, you're right. I think there's four uh, single entry contests that pay 20K or above that are the $200 single entry. That $200 weekly single entry is one of the best tournaments out there. And we get kind of four versions of it this week. And there's the hundred, uh, a couple hundred dollar single entries, too. So I'm glad you kind of brought, brought that up. You know, I'm wondering for both you all, Drew and James, that – Again, with the talking heads, and you know, we are even guilty of it um, ourselves, but we kind of say, gosh, here's the stats you need for your model, and it spits out a rank, and you're like, here's how we create the player pool. For me, I I'm throwing that out, out the window for the open because of you're going to get funny bounces. You're going to get unlucky breaks. You're going to you know, hit a great shot that's not going to get rewarded. Um, and, and so that, you know, I'm valuing less what a model says and more maybe into smaller particular statistics. Well, what, what do you all think? And James, we'll start with you. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I feel like this week I want, I want like, forget what my stat model says. I want guys that are kind of like tough and can like, you know, when they catch that bad break that don't just like melt down. That's, um, yeah. you know, like, I, like I always compare Colin Moore Kawa to like the most beautiful flower in a field and like you know he's always the prettiest one but as soon as like a little weather comes in or something you know like a little rain he just wilts and just can't handle <laughs> yeah. it and like that's that's wow. what I think that's what I think of him this week and like that's just why I can't play Colin Morikawa is because like I think that like the one bad bounce he gets or something doesn't go his way he's gonna start pouting and he's just not gonna be able to grind it give me a grinder you know like give me somebody gritty like I that's why I love Scotty Scheffler Cam Smith guys like that they're gritty and they just keep fighting and like they just got a little bulldog in them. A couple of Gruden grinders. Mm -hmm. That's right. Drew, Drew what I, about you? I think it's tough this week too. I mean, you can you can guess what the the right strokes gain data is to throw in a model, but they haven't played here since what '88 was the last time that the Open was here. Uh, renovation in 2009. So I feel like everybody wants to talk themselves into, hey, this golf course. We see thick rough on Twitter, right? We see thick rough. So driving accuracy is super important, but to James's point, I mean, saving face, making eight-foot par putts is what kind of matters in the U.S. Open. And I think that, yeah, there's it, it definitely tests your entire game. But it's hard to bake in strokes gain data when really everybody's kind of throwing in a guessing game of what we're going to see this week. Um, yeah, it's, you, you get a bad lie. You catch a bad bounce, right? It's, it's to me, it's avoiding bogey at, at most cost and, and trying to, to not get the other score, right? Doubles and triples are going to put you out of the U.S. Open, and there's trouble lurking all over this place. Um, so, yeah, so if from a week-to-week -week standpoint, like the process is definitely a little different to your point, Rob. Uh, and a lot of that is because this golf course hasn't been seen in quite some time, and I feel like what everybody's pushing towards their agenda this week and what they think, it's just they don't actually know, and, and it's always unfolds different than we expect. Yeah, we'll see a, a fire start burning of groupthink on what we are know for certain the course to play, and it, it, it it's going to be probably different. Uh, you know, maybe not across the board, but we've just seen it at so many U.S. Opens. And look at Matthew Wolf and Brian Bryson DeChambeau, where they knew for certain you couldn't bomb and gouge, and that's what they did and led them to to success. But I'm also I'm going to bring it back to to showdown a little bit. James, I prefer showdown when it's difficult conditions. I don't like because I don't like birdie fest for showdowns, even though I, you know I play it because it, it's really the difference sometimes between who's making the 15 footers and who's not. But when you have in a, like a difficult test like the U.S. Open, like Memorial, 
it uh I, I think it helps the better showdown player maybe um and, and we will get one of those rounds from somebody who maybe if scoring the average scoring is two over par we'll get someone who shoots four under but mm-hmm. do you feel like it's easier or more difficult at a tough test like this showdown wise well, I think this is about the easiest answer ever. Just two years ago at the U.S. Open, I won the Sunday showdown round four for like 50K. So uh, obviously, so like, obviously I, I'm a little biased to be like, yes, give me them tough rounds. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I love it because uh, you're right. Like when I, when I was, you know, I went to the gym Sunday morning. I try not to watch golf Sunday morning because I've just been doing it so long for four straight days. I go to the gym. I try not to check my phone for so long. And then I finally check it and I see Justin Rose. I was like 27 birdies and 10 holes. And I'm like, yes. how is this even real? Um, and, uh, you know, I was, that's like, this isn't fun. This is like, I was kind of, he didn't shoot 59 is, is, it's not, it's not right. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I I was, I was actually really impressed with the course. I thought it was holding up pretty well and, you know, giving them a lot of bogeys and tough stuff. And then like, it was like the course just like died on Sunday and it just became like, you know, a pitch and putt. And, um, it was, uh, it wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy it. So yes, I definitely in showdown, enjoy the hard rounds. Uh, and I love the, 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 the factoring in the implosion where literally guys in your showdown lineup can get you negative points. Like that's, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. That's fun. That yeah. is fun. So that, well, good. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that I'm, one for sure. I'm really interested. You talk, you kind of teased us with, with the pivots that you kind of have, it's really excited about. So before, we get to that, Drew or, or James. Do you all either have anything that um, you're kind of really leaning on for the U.S. Open? You're where you're being mindful of. You're really, uh, you know, I think it's going to be important. Or um, are are we ready to go and just dive into the board and talk about a little pivots or little guys we have some some leans on to on on this Monday? What do you got, James? Uh, just that Rory McIlroy is 100% going to win. There's no chance that he <laughs> yeah, is not the perfect fit. You've got to play him in every lineup. You'll never, you could never go wrong doing that. You just said you wouldn't play uh, Jesus Christ at 50% or well, whatever. You know what? Rory gets the Rory, tilt. Rory's, Rory's one step above that. Okay. That's he's fair. one step yeah. above him. That's fair. No, no I, uh, I mean, he's number one in my model. What do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> right. Coming off a, off a hell of a weekend. That, the, the, the one thing I'll say, and this has nothing to do with this week, but last week and the way Sunday went down was was peak golf, right? Like mm-hmm. the names you had at the top of the leaderboard, the birdies that were being made. Um, that that was a hell of a show they put on in Canada. And and by the way, tip of the cap to uh to the Canadian fans, because that was a uh a loud yeah. wild week. So it was, yeah. like the waste, no, it was like the waste management, but with nice people. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> exactly. So no, I don't have much more. I'm I'm happy to, to take a look at the board here and uh, and kind of move forward. Yeah, well, let's look at the board, and we're not really gonna unless you all want to, but not really gonna go through ranges. Just kind of first go through maybe a guy or two, and we'll kind of go um, you know rotate it. But maybe it's a, a pivot like James, maybe you got, or maybe kind of just an early lean you're liking so far on a Monday. Yeah, James, why don't you kick us off? I mean, I like I feel like I'm copping out here, but I, there's I can think of like two or three times in the last four years that I've been playing competitively. I was really late to the party on a guy just going on a dominant run and me just not wanting to accept it. Uh, yeah. Specifically, I remember Brooks Kepka. I'm like, he won't do it again. He won't do it again. He just kept always freaking winning every freaking major. And I just was always being like, he won't do it again. And I feel like we're in the midst of one of those. I feel like Scotty Scheffler is on one of those runs where like you just you're just being foolish to not play him. I just truly think he's going to win. I just feel like we're on an all time great run. And I promised myself the next time I saw somebody starting to go on one of those runs, I wasn't going to be a stubborn donkey. And I was just going to jump on and ride him all the way to the end. And that's Scotty Scheffler. 
I love that because we've talked on this show, Rob. Do do we think that Scotty could go on a Brooks type run? And I hundred yeah. percent do. The guy's game goes anywhere at any course in any condition. Uh, so I'm with you on Scotty Scheffler. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, I could could hammer home my speed take. Uh, the guy that I think I'm going to get some decent ownership on that I really like is Victor Hovland. Uh, game hasn't been great. Um, but to James' point, if you look in that, the X, Spieth, Hovland, Burns, Cam Smith area, you could argue that that Vic Hovland will have some of the lower ownership of that group. Uh, and just the ball striker he is, I, that's the guy kind of at the top that I would be looking at. But again, you know, you know my lineups and my my thought towards Spieth. He'll definitely be in them, but I think Scotty's a, a great call at the top of the board. And traditionally, yeah, I, like I always I always think of Hovland as like a guy that will go out there and grind and fight and play those yeah. tough courses. He hasn't, I mean, he hasn't really been that recently, but traditionally, that's how I've always pictured him in my mind. Yeah, I I agree, and I I don't think he's going to be low owned because of this the whole narrative, or it's not. You know, it's probably very accurate. Actually, is that you're going to have to perform well around the green, and and Victor has that association that he's a, a bad uh, around the green player, and it's backed up through strokes gain. He ranks like one right. sixteen in the field, but yeah. but it, just because you're a bad like around a green player doesn't mean you can't contend or play well. You can make it up for it other ways, and one way you make it up for it is I, I'm kind of relating it to this week as proximity to the hole being on you know being able to control your golf ball so well to land it in a, on a particular part of the green where it can hold the green that's what i'm associating the proximity vic ranks fourth in the field over the last 24 rounds and that brings me to a, a, a top end guy that i really like that i think is going to go really super under own and that's Hideki. he ranks mm. first proximity better around the green uh, but just because he had a DQ and he's between Cat Cantlay, yeah, and he's sandwiched between yeah, Cantlay and Lowry. I don't think he's gonna go very um, highly owned at all, and so he's you know hopefully one of one of my big big pivots. I, I do want to get your all's opinion on a few guys that kind of um I've been playing well that I, I think could be kind of chalky, and that's Billy Ho, Fitzpatrick, and Justin Rose. Do you all have any thoughts on what you all might do with them? I'll let oh, you, James. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, you want to know I the answer? I have I'm a gonna, stronger stance on this than than you do. If, Maybe if I haven't. If I haven't projected to my top ten most owned this week, I would say it's about. I'll probably play one of those guys. I'm just not going to play chalky mm -hmm. guys at a tournament that's so volatile, especially when there's so many pivots I like. Like you just uh, talking about Hideki, like he's not going to be highly owned, and I can like pivot yeah. right off of Lowry or Zalatoris, who I do think will be owned to him. So there's just such great pivots out there that there's no way I'm going to eat any chalk this week. Just I just yeah. need you to make sure that you know get some boots on the ground and make sure Hideki doesn't have any whiteout in his bag this week. <laughs> right, gosh, that was okay. like that's all. That's like all I need from you. The strangest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. That was some so of the strangest things. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'll fade. I'll be a full fade of Billy Horschel. Um, and I know he just won. I he, he messed up his finger. I was reading about he had to, he couldn't swing a golf club for a week after his win. Um, and then Matt Fitzpatrick's the interesting one to me. Uh, there's no win equity there, as we know. Um, this narrative surrounding Matthew Fitzpatrick is the U.S. Open would be the perfect setup for Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, the putter's been shaky lately. I don't have a lot of interest in Matt Fitzpatrick or Billy Horschel. Um, again, we know Willie Z is going to be super highly owned right there. Um, but then we get into it, and I don't want to jump on your question here. The DJ Brooks thing, like, are we just we just going to not, like, be in on the Brooks major thing anymore? Is that not a thing now? 
Oh gosh, that that's a, that's something I haven't really wrapped my head around. James, do you have a strong opinion on DJ or Brooks? I mean, I've been I I don't want to let the Brooks at majors thing go, but I got to tell you, it's really been biting me in the ass for like yeah, no, I know, majors. yeah, me too, me too. And like, you I feel like it's over. Know. So uh, the problem the problem I run into with Brooks is there's just so many guys in that range that I really like that I think are all going to be very moderately owned that I would just rather play. Um, I, you know, mm-hmm. like just, just right there above him. I think Cam Young at that price tag is, he just can't be that highly owned this week. He can't, I mean, I'm not saying he'll be, he's not going to be 5%, but he's not going to be 20% like he was at the PGA. So at that price tag, I just feel so much more comfortable with him. He's kind of what I want. I think he's got a little bit of bulldog in him. Um, so I just, you know, and I'm only going to play, if I'm only doing 15 lineups, you know, I'm only going to have a player pool of at most 16 guys. So I can't play everybody. Yep. Right. Yeah. I like the Cam Young call. Um, and again, I hope the ownership him. Him being priced above Brooks uh, and Burns and Finau and Berger, all these guys, yeah, I think it's going to drive the ownership um, pr- pretty low. James, do you have uh, another kind of key pivot, kind of maybe below these guys, so high seven, low seven K range? Um, okay, so in the did you say the low eights or the or the, did you say in the sevens? Because sure. I got, I, I yeah, got... yeah, give me give me whatever you got, give me whatever you got. Um, okay. So I guess we got to define pivots as just like somebody that's going to be, you know, not very highly owned right around people that are going to be highly owned. And I feel like, uh, Aaron Wise, Mito Pereira and Fleetwood all seem to be catching a lot of steam. And for me, I I can already tell you, this is a hundred percent happening. I will be playing Louis Ice Tyson. He played a little bit better next week. I just, you know, if we're going to do the Brooks is good at majors, Louis good at majors. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm going to pivot there. I just feel like that's a good pivot. I'm not never pivot just the pivot for the sake of pivoting. I always yeah. love Louis at majors. So if you're telling me I can get him at probably one third, maybe even one quarter, the ownership of those other three guys, give me a break. Give me a break. That's an easy one for me. I oh, love and, that. Call. Yeah, and some JM right there too, who we know is going to yeah, probably yeah. be the, him and Rory. I would guess would be the two highest owned guys. Yeah. I, I love that. There, there. Well, Drew, before I get to kind of a few guys, I like, do you have in this kind of range, you have a, a, a guy you like who might be, low owned or if you, if there's a chalky guy you like why should we would, would we eat the chalk i think it's and i'd love to hear guys perspective i i kind of like abe answer this week i do like abe answer i think again yeah. this golf course isn't going to be at 7200 yards too long for abe answer uh he does a lot of the things that you would think check the boxes of what we're looking for this week uh in kind of that interesting range right and i i want to get your guys's thoughts on what that ownership will look like um, it may get a little higher than, than I'm willing to, to kind of roll with just because of kind of where he's at. Um, but I could see Gooch, Webb Simpson, Keegan Bradley kind of garnering some of that ownership. What do you guys think? There's, I mean, because of where he's at, that's why his ownership will be low. He, there's no way he'll get above 8%. There's just too many good players sandwiched all around him right there that people want to play. And just to go ahead and make you go ahead and go all in on answer, I went and looked at all the courses that have the same putting greens, uh, same type of putting surface that this one has, and he ranks 21st in putting on those. So, wow. Abraham, Abraham answer <laughs> on, on greens that he's good at whenever we already know he's a pretty good tee to green guy. I'm in. Right. Well, and speaking, I want to get your all's opinion. Speaking of Oosthuizen going to another team, live um, hashtag don't blink. I I are we doing that? Are we doing the don't blink hashtags? We're not. We're not doing it. Well, I kind of like Patrick Reed. And tell me, I'm crazy or tell me I'm right, James. What What are you feeling? If you have any kind of read on Patrick Reed. Uh, well, first of all, let me look at his ownership, and I can answer that real quick. I I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, but 
I guess right God, there next to the got out of control at Memorial. Remember? Yeah, that was yeah. Wild. Oh man, I was on him the week before when nobody wanted to play him, and he smashed. And yeah. then everybody yeah. wanted to play him. I was like, well, this is the easiest don't play ever. Right. Um, right. You know, just good rule of thumb. Just whatever the general public's thinking. Just do the opposite. It'll pay off. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a plus EV move in the long run. Trust me. Yep. Um, I you know I'm warm to Patrick Reed. I actually think this course, you know, it may be not yardage long wise, but it's going to play long, and he is good at tough long courses. And when I think of bulldogs that I like, Patrick Reed's yeah. got to be top five on the list of just mean bulldogs. It'll go grind for you. He will, and I love that. So, uh, am I saying I'm going to play him? No, but he's certainly in the consideration. Well, well, I'm like I'm likely going to play him. Well, one thing we love on this show, and if we're skipping over a few other guys that, that you want to talk about, you guys go ahead. But one piece we love on the show is the sickle range, the kind of 7K or below. Uh, any kind of sickle range plays or any other guys that maybe, again, are getting your attention on a Monday evening? James, you start us. I mean, full disclosure, I am a Fr- Francesco Molinari slut, so you yes, should be aware of that. Yes, me too. Hollywood. So, even, even, I'm you know, sick. Like, even if he were ninety nine hundred, I would have to play him this week. So if you're gonna if you're gonna give him you're me sixty nine hundred, I got. Sick. I mean, I'm in. I'm. I, he's a major champion. I mean, that would be. He's a major champion under seven thousand. I got to play him. Got to play him. Has to. Be yeah, him. I, I love Molinari and and like humble brag. He was like one percent owned. I finished uh, in that, you know, five fifty five round two event at Memorial. Finished third in that a few weeks ago, and it was him one percent shot four or five under, buried eighteen, which helped. Yeah, I, I expect a big thing from Molinari, a big, big summer, I mean, for Molinari. Um, I, I love him. Drew, what about you? Phil, Hammer. 100%. Are you really? Are you really no. playing? Phil? Okay. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, uh, the problem with Phil is you just never know what's going to show up. Also, this week is the complete polar opposite of what you see out of Kia where we won last year. Um, it's it's going to be a tough go around for him. Uh, I will play Joel Damon. Um, and I love Joel Damon. Uh, Joel Damon's sitting at sixty six hundred. Uh, again, a guy T to green that's pretty solid. Not an overly long player, and I do understand that. And this is why we talk about it a lot. You have to put into perspective yardages on the card, right? So we're at seventy two hundred yards, which doesn't seem very long. Well, there's also a. And I'm gonna end up bitching about the whole all week. 130 yard par three, which is an embarrassing yardage for a PGA Tour event. I don't care what it is. Well, let, 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 let's see where they put the pins on that hole, because I have a feeling that if when they they could, I think they might even play it shorter because they had the roped off from like one one fifteen or something, and I think they might put a, a pin in a crazy area that if you're not making it to the hole, it may it, the ball could come back a little bit. Don't quote me on that, but I, I I'm with you, but I want to see the pins. Don't okay. you remember the the postage stamp at Royal Troon? Uh, yeah, was a that, little like, different years ago. A different, and like, though, and that like, was like that one was it, like double bogey. Everybody, yeah, everybody. it was but, birdie but, or double bogey. Again, there, but that there's eight par fours that are going to play over 450. So like that's yeah. again when we look at the card, we see 7200, and they all play different. Uh, but Joel Damon's my guy in the sicko range, and and I guess Davis Riley's also intriguing, um, but. He's caught some steam lately, so I think that that's going to be a guy that people plumb bob out of that that low section when they're trying to kind of stack things up top. I did just remember I got an email from DraftKings today, which reminds me of the ultimate sicko pick. Uh, his name's Chris Goderup, who might have burned a person or two last Everybody week. Everybody last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, 
<laughs> so, I mean, he's back in at 6,600. And I'm telling you, I because I, you know, he was such mega chalk that I wanted to make fun of everybody that I was watching his every shot. That dude threw some darts. I've never seen somebody miss so many five and six foot birdies in my life. Um, so, you know, uh, and plus, I just love a good bounce back story. And anytime yeah, a guy yeah. you play him and he screws you over, the next week he's going to be 3% owned. He's going to smash because that's just that's how right. the fantasy golf lords go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's well, I have just have two, and I'm not in love with any of them. But if you're making a stars of scrubs, and you don't lo- you don't like Molinari, I kind of like Lucas Herbert. Uh, he, he's been playing well, but largely due to the putter. But I kind of like a, a big hitter that uh, performs well around the green. And again, he played well at the PGA, largely thanks to his putter. He gained over eight strokes on the green. But then the, the boy you just mentioned earlier, I kind of like Danny Lee. Uh, I, you know, I don't know his U.S. Open history. I kind of like how he's playing lately, and. A guy that seems to be a, a, a bulldog that's a little bit of a dick. I, that's what I want it to be at the U.S. Open, and that's Danny Lee. I love it. He, he's made the cut one out of two times. There's his history. So, there you go. It, it, was, it went miscut and then 57. So that just means he's trending. That's all that means. It's actually wild <laughs> to look that, at Danny yeah. Lee's. Like, Danny Lee's been around since he played the Masters in 09. Yeah. Don't and you remember his, when him and Fowler were best friends and they would always do stories on that? Yeah, but you no, can see like how his his career has just been a, a roller coaster to where essentially he was on tour. He had to go back to the Corn Ferry Tour, web.com, whatever it was at that point. Um, love me a good journeyman, right? Love me a good journeyman come come the U.S. Open. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not – I know it's early in the week, but I don't know how much I want to dip, dip down past 7K besides, you know, fill every lineup. Well, then let, let me ask you all this, because I think it's very important. It'd be important to know kind of for showdown, too, I think. But uh, what do we think the winning score is going to be? Less than minus five. Like You think yeah, so? It's going to be – I think it'll be brutal out there. Plus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a weather nerd, and I've been tracking it, and it doesn't look like it's going to be ideal scoring conditions at all. Yeah. So I'll we'll, say I, I, under. The three under and so james for you for the being a weather guy what what's it look i know a lot can change but what's it look like right now on monday i think i saw there might be a little wind friday or thursday afternoon and maybe even friday morning but yeah mm-hmm. what, what's your assessment yeah and then the scattered thunderstorms uh on friday also and we've already seen that somehow the, sometimes those thunderstorms can mess up what you think is a uh, wind advantage yeah uh, i believe that was the players Stallgrass, so yeah. uh yeah right yeah. now you know right now tentatively it looks like some winds are going to pick up thursday afternoon and carry on into friday morning which you, you would think would make it an obvious uh you know wind stack but you know I, it's faded they're gonna, it's gonna be pretty way. it's gonna be pretty <laughs> gusty the whole time and there are some scattered thunderstorms coming in Friday. So if they get a three-hour delay, all that could get turned on its head. And that rain in that rough, right? They get any precipitation. That just makes that stuff so thick and nasty to deal with. It, it'll be fun to watch. It will be. We love, we love some we, carnage. Carnage. Give me the carnage. We love it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I, right. I, 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 hope, I hope you guys are right that it's low. I, I think something similar. But I, every time I think that a course is going to play harder than it is, there's all this excitement builds up, I just – we get we get reminded how good good these guys are. So I might say winning score is nine nine under. Here's um, the here's the one counterpoint I would make to you to that. There's a go look at the please. course. There's not many scoring holes. Like there's just not many. Yeah. Like there's not like oh they got the easy three par fives to go get their birdie on. Like one of the par Rob, fives. Have you watched hole? the the no lane up um Brooklyn oh, yeah. thing? You have yeah okay yeah, yeah. I figured you had. 
in, yeah. you know, you don't have like the the generic 290 yard drivable par four that everybody gets a birdie on. There's just not a lot of that out there. I, I see maybe three yeah. or four holes they can score on, and I see about 14 holes they can get they can Hold blow on up for on your life. Yeah, I, I love it. I hope you're right. It's carnage. I, I, I'm I'm all for it. I'm with you on you I'm with you guys. Well, before we close and we put this to bed, any other final thoughts that that James or Drew you have for the U.S. Open this week? No, James, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Spieth will win, and I mean, I think we all kind of know that. But um, no, appreciate you being on, man. I'm I'm very excited about this golf course and this week mm-hmm. in particular. Um, it, it, the USGA has done a really good job of. If you think of the last two U.S. Opens, this is a completely different yardage-wise, setup-wise. It's going to be way different, and I think different can be good, right? The USGA has had two good setups the last two years, and I've been very – I've critiqued the hell out of the USGA on how they set things up. Uh, but the last two years have been really good. It's about 350 yards shorter on average than the other two, the other two years. So I think it's – for me, being the golf nerd – if they can go in and it can be a tough week with not a whole lot of, you know, not a long golf course, it kind of, it's a win for the golf community and golf architects everywhere. Right. Cause, cause it's gotten to a point where everything's being stretched out to 7,500, 7,700. Right. And sometimes the, the courses that are the best are at 7,000 or 7,200. So if they can hone it in and make it difficult this week at a, at a shorter golf course, I think golf fans in general win. I guess uh, I guess one takeaway I would say is, uh, you know, Friday afternoon when all your lineups are dead and you're thinking, I hate the U.S. Open. Why did I invest money in this stupid thing? Don't forget there's showdown. Showdown. You can, go, showdown. You can right, come baby. up over on the showdown hoedown. And even if you never play, what a great week to try because the the um, the the prizes are going to be huge and uh, there's going to be a lot of interest in it. So go play some showdown if you're all your lineups are wrecked and you can still have an amazing weekend of golf, even if your best week longs are four out of six. Don't fret, young one. I got yeah, you. Love it. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And one thing, James, I can't remember if you said it when we were live or before, is you're doing such a great thing. You're not just telling people, hey, play this guy, play that guy. You're helping giving a, a, a strategy that can kind of sustain. And we've seen the testimonials on it on Twitter. We've seen the kind of people tweeting out how much, yeah, life-changing money sometimes that you've helped them win. So, yeah, it's it's fun. I, you know, I, I'm so excited. Again, even maybe more excited this week to play Showdown at a tough mm-hmm. test and James, I hope you run it back and win another 50K at the U.S. Open this year. I hope so, too. I I wouldn't mind it. Wouldn't mind it at all. (laughs) And and last year, I won my ticket to the Fantasy Golf World Championship at the U.S. Open. So, I mean, I've been been running pure at this one the last couple of years. I wonder if this is your favorite event. Big plans to keep that going. (laughs) Love it. Let's go. You're running hot. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you. Good luck, everybody, this weekend. Reach out to James, the Degenerate on 75. Check out his shows Wednesday and the, gosh, the rest of the weekend. It's great stuff. See you guys.